Welcome back to a new episode of You Have Failed. Yes, the show isn't dead. Um, Soz. But we're back. As promised, I did always promise that when Attack on Titan came back, the show would come back and I have delivered because I do follow through on my promises. And also because Attack on Titan leaves me with so much to talk about that having verbal diarrhea on a podcast is really good for my health, especially the mental health. I'm in tears. Speaking of depressed people, I'm joined by some guests today. (laughs) Would you like to introduce yourselves? (laughs) <laughs> well uh i i happen to go by a king's eye still uh i am a depressed viking uh having watched attack on titan recently and uh well most of the folks that we acquainted with you have failed have heard me before or at least known that i've been on an episode or two and that leaves one other person i'm depressed person number three <laughs> this is our resident fairy troll who you may know from <laughs> Fairy of the Opera. Hell yeah. Um, and yes, these are my my guests today because we all love Attack on Titan an equal amount. I got both of them into this show. I'm sure as much as they love the show, part of them resents me for making them this depressed. And I'm okay I'm so with that. Grateful. I would like to not comment on this. <laughs> <laughs> because it means I can share my depression as well, because I'm not alone in it now. That's the whole reason I introduced them to the show. <laughs> so generous. <laughs> I know, I'm so kind sharing my pain. But yes, we are here to talk about the most recent episode of Attack on Titan, which doesn't have a title because it's split into chapters, isn't it? So uh, the most recent one, but I don't know about on Crunchyroll where it's like, TFP because it's all like the final season, the final chapters, part one. I'm like, oh, they could have called it something easier, but we'll move like on. Season five. Yeah, or just the final part, part one. Like, anyway, like whatever. I, for all you listeners out there, I hope you realize this is the most jovial any of the three of us are going to be throughout the rest of this podcast. <laughs> we sound happy now, but I can tell you what, I can feel the tears in the back of my eyes already. Like this jovial is not lasting long. So like, if, if I may, I can describe this as being probably the slowest train wreck that anybody will ever hear because we anticipated this particular episode for over a year. Mm-hmm. And it no, was raging depression. <laughs> Saffron, no, sorry. Me and Cornelius <laughs> have been anticipating it. Saffron's <laughs> been in denial for a year. <laughs> There's a difference. But one more, I think, happy thing I'd, I'd like to point out before we get into the sad things is the animation was incredible. I don't know about you guys, but I think as much as I was, you know, a bit annoyed that we had to wait so long for just like one special and then we're having to wait longer for a second. When I saw the quality of the animation, I immediately forgave Mappa because I was like, oh my fucking God, this is like movie level shit. This is some of the cleanest animation I've ever seen. It's beautiful. I can forgive the wait. Like that. Yeah, like it's not them milking it. It's just them like taking the time. Yeah, they made it the most beautiful, epic-looking thing they ever could. And, like, 
So I, I forgave them completely for the time it took because if you put that on the big screen, it'd fit in just fine. So like, I the animation was fantastic. And that is probably the last, when I say the last positive thing I have to say, the last thing that makes me feel happy. <laughs> the rest of the stuff is all positive because the episode was incredible. The fact it hasn't got 10 out of 10 on IMDb actually infuriates me. Uh, is that a byproduct of it not having been out for so long or? I mean, it's got 9.6. I'm being very picky, but it still pisses me off. That was a 10 out of 10 episode. But <laughs> there, there was that, yeah. But yeah, so right, okay. This is I'm putting off the depression. The animation's great, right now. Okay, the bit I want to talk about specifically before from the good news to the bad. Yeah, there's two things obviously in particular I want to talk about. But the second one, I want to give Saffron more time to process the fact she's about to have to talk about this. So I'm going to talk about my thing first. Yep. Um, oh god, she's gone already. So. <laughs> no, I'm not. But. <laughs> Oh god, it's funny because I'm laughing through the tears. So, um, right, Erin. Big shock. I want to talk about Erin. Who would have guessed? It's not like I've got about a million episodes dedicated to just that man. Now. So who's your favourite character? Levi. No. <laughs> <laughs> he's second. We all know he's second. But we'll get to yeah. him too, I'm sure. Yeah, Levi, actually, that's another one I can bring up for a more happy point of view, but we'll get to that in a bit. So, Erin broke my heart, right? I mean, he always breaks my heart, big shock, I know. But the bit where, it's one of my favorite scenes in manga and I didn't expect seeing it animated to hurt me that much more than it did when I read it. The bit where he's in Mali and he's sort of talking about the fact that I'm going to kill these people. It's been predetermined. I can't avoid it. All of these sort of things. And you sort of realize how broken he is because he he wants that solution. He doesn't want to kill all these people, but he knows he has no choice. It's predetermined. It's, it's this, that, and the other. And then the bit where he gets to the kid and he realizes, oh, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm meant to save this kid. And then, then he sort of realizes, oh, but, but wait, I, what's the point? I'm a half-assed piece of shit. I'm just going to save him now to let him die later. What's the point in me saving him? So he goes to walk away. And then obviously it cuts and you realize that Erin did save that kid. And that really hurt me because he's not a bad person. He went out of his way to save this child. A child he didn't know. Okay, he saw him in his future memories, but it's very much implied that Erin would have saved that kid regardless if he hadn't seen him in his future memories. That's just who Eren is. And then the bit where he breaks down crying to this kid. And okay, in that part, he does go, you know, I wanted to kill the people outside the walls. Yeah, he did. You know, in a fit of rage, he was like, I, I want to make them suffer. But he never wanted to do this. He never wanted to do it. And the way he breaks down and the way he... he you can just tell his suffering, his, his pain, the fact that he's been forced to do this awful thing by fate and he can't avoid it and the fact that he never got answers the way it's clearly just tearing away at him you really get a sight into why he ended up being so depressed because obviously that scene takes place four years prior to season four so somewhere near the end of season three and you then see him now and he is absolutely utterly depressed and destroyed as a person and that that really broke me just seeing he's in a monologue of I'm going to kill these people. 
I can't avoid that. That's my fate. What kind of a shit person am I? Now, I don't know about you guys, but that, as an Erin fan, tore me up because you really got to see the, the turmoil in him and the fact that he's had his arm twisted. He can't avoid this fate. He's suffering just as much as everyone else. I, I felt as I was watching it that this was a lot of what uh, perhaps he uh, wanted to show when the incident with Sasha happened. Where very much yes. he, he was so very aware that this was unavoidable. It had to happen. Couldn't do nothing about it. And he still had to sit there as close to Stoneface as he possibly could, but couldn't really. And, and this poor kid, his name Ramsey, and, well, he got to be the outlet for all these emotions that he couldn't show everybody else. Yeah, I think, you know, that, that kid was terrified and arguably he becomes way more terrified. <laughs> A different incident. That was graphic, but... <laughs> I, I so wanted to say something just awful now, but I'll save it. <laughs> but yeah I think it was horrified that Erin because bear in mind that kid's the one that you know he had that party with afterwards you see at the end of the last part so like Erin could have taken that time to you know be honest in front of any of his friends but he knows he can't so he just had to break down in front of this child finally letting out everything he's feeling but it's, that child's just confused that child can't help him no one can help Erin, and that's another part of the episode I want to talk about in a bit. But I, I just want more of you guys' thoughts, and obviously that scene where Erin is just so utterly broken, and he can't fix it. It was awful. You know, like the whole beginning of that episode just—it just really got me because like it is the both perspectives. Like you know, I was in tears because Erin was in tears and breaking down, but then also like seeing a little bit of that kid. Mm. And like, I thought it was so bad for him, like how bad he had it. Like he didn't even have his hand. And it's like, please live. But then obviously, no, he didn't. And yeah, that was I brutal. Did. Yeah, that was such a... The whole thing they could have censored. They didn't do it for Yeah, that. they literally and show his skull crushing. You see the blood and the teeth coming out. It is graphic. I was like, and... I think it was a great way of showing the weight of what the rumbling is. Having this kid that Erin confided in be the first sort of victim that you see is... I mean, it, it's dark as hell, but it is really impactful, like you say. You then feel for this kid and you, you see that terror of the rumbling from the perspective of a kid that you've just grown to like in the matter of minutes. Yeah, because he's a sweet kid and it's like, at that point, it's like, how can you agree with Erin? At any point, yeah, like, way you could have done it. What's that? Sorry, I said, see, Gabby, this is the way you could have gotten likable. But dying is that what you're trying to say? Well, no, there were different ways to go about it than shooting Sasha. Bastard. Wow, thanks for bringing that up. Wow, a cool. Yes, like you know. go, 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 go. <laughs> we're already about to talk about another death, and yeah, bringing back Sasha immediately. This is this is good. This is good. Well, well I do, and it, it segues neatly into a glaring oversight that I made with this. I realized I hadn't watched episode eighty-seven as I started this special. How? Oh. What? Because, because I went in full flat denial when I spoiled the shit for myself. So I just, I completely dropped everything until this episode came up and I realized, oh shit, I missed, missed one. 
Oh shit. H have okay. you watched it now? Yes. I stopped watching the special so that I could watch that first, which is why it took almost like an hour and a half to get through. I did think it took you a long time to get through it, but I just thought yeah. you might have taken a break for like no no no. It was a glaring oversight and then I had to make amends on that, make it right. Oh, okay, fair enough. But yeah, I just that whole opening scene and then the the glaring thing that I'm missing in that opening scene I've chosen to neglect from the start was the thing that the minute that episode started, I just remember it was at two AM in the morning, I wasn't expecting a reply. I just text Danny going, Oh my god, my heart. They showed Erin and Mika's there's children under the tree. Sorry, the tears oh. are coming through now. The tears yeah, are too bad. As soon as that happened. <laughs> like, that was the first thing they show. And it's not even that, but it's the fact that the way Mikasa sort of holds his head and sort of cups it underneath, I was like, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, but that that part, ugh, that's five yeah. seconds in and it's gotten me already. Yeah, I saw that. I saw the fact that under the tree anyway, especially with the new fucking song, which fortunately they didn't play to song. the end. Oh, it's amazing. I'm glad they didn't play it to the end. If they played that at the start and then showed her doing that, I would have, like, just... Uh, no, I'd, uh, I'm sorry, I'm losing my It was job. sad enough already. <laughs> I know, like, I didn't need that shit. Right? This would not have occurred if that had happened. No, I'd, I'd still be sobbing. And I mean, I'm getting there now, just thinking about that. But just seeing them as kids again, and the bit where Erin wakes up, and it's like, well, yeah, this is the dream that he had all along. Um... <laughs> And yeah, and the way she cut that head, I'm like, I'd know what that means. To, mm -hmm. And yeah, that hurt. And then you just get Erin sort of spewing how crap he feels and how he doesn't want to do this, but he has to. And, the, and that just set me up for failure for the rest of the episode. Where it even the, the bits, for sure. oh, yeah. <laughs> even the bits that made me laugh and made me happy, because there are a few things I enjoyed in it, um, yeah. which sounds controversial, but there were some bits that I was like, yes, uh, and obviously there's some, some epic bits. Um, even though that, I was still just depressed, because I think every time there was a happy bit, it was like, oh, that's great, but I know what happens next. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh yeah, I'm just, I'm still crying from what happened just a minute ago, but thankfully, yeah. so like, saying something so funny. The, yeah, I mean, Levi, uh, this quickly, was the funniest character of the entire episode. He... Yeah. <laughs> he, he honestly... I mean, but I think it says a lot about how depressing the episode is and Captain Levi is the comic relief. <laughs> I mean, he's always the comic relief, but like... <laughs> no, yeah, he is. Yeah. But like, when he's the only one making you laugh Bringing and you have joy. Connie... And you have Connie and John in an episode and Captain yeah. Levi is still the only one making you chuckle, you know that's like probably being so damn depressed. Like, I, yeah. I will for the life of me never ever find something funnier in Attack on Titan than him walking down them stairs and screaming, That bearded bitch. <laughs> he hates her. Of course he does, because she worships Monkey Boy. And she has uh, a beard. I think he does have a phobia. Yeah, he doesn't like the beards. But it's also just the fact that, like, Armin's like, you need to rest. And he's like, if I rest any longer, you shitheads are going to forget me. He's like, I might be old, but you are not leaving me behind. You're not taking, you know, I need to be a star. And I must say as well, as serious as the situation is, Levi's literal obsession with Zeke at this point is also funny. 
Like the yeah. fact that no, ma no matter what else is going on, like literally, <laughs> like, there's no. an army. Of, there's an army of colossal titans, <laughs> right? He's in the back of the plane. He doesn't even see what is hitting them, and he still immediately goes, "He's down there." <laughs> like he has this sort of sixth sense for the beast titan like he just knows he's like that shithead's down there i'm gonna fucking kill him <laughs> the same way that okay we're jumping way ahead now the bit where they had that co-action cool scene jumping out the plane and we'll discuss that properly later yeah um, the fact that they're all dodging the, the book but, but levi just makes a fucking beeline like the rest of them are all like dodging trying Check to get around, trying to grab onto erin and land <laughs> And Levi's like, nah, I've got one target and I am not fucking stopping for anyone. And like, I must admit, as I say, it says a lot about how depressing the rest of the episode is, but I think everything Levi did, with the exception of two scenes. That brung me tears, yeah. Yeah, and those two scenes are still related to the same person, mind you. So everything Levi did was the funniest shit. Even when they're all saying bye to Annie, right? And oh, they're all face. waving, and <laughs> Levi just has the dirtiest side eye in the world. And he's like, I know what you did. I haven't forgiven you for my old squad. Like, they're all waving, even Hanji's like, bye bye, and he's glaring. No, he doesn't. <laughs> it is quite good. Bless him, and let's get back to him. I realize we skipped the far and away above where we're supposed to be. Yeah, so moving back. Um, uh, I mean, you know what? Let's just rip off the bandage at this point. But before we rip off the bandage, let's talk about the bit that I really loved before that happened. And that's, to be fair, quite a lot of the scenes. So you've got, obviously, them all bonding and stuff. And the Armin and Andy stuff, I, I think, was handled really well. I don't know about you guys, but I thought it was really believable watching them interact and think, well, you know what? They probably have developed because as much as Annie couldn't talk back while she was in that crystal you would form a bond of someone who was talking to you that much over the years when you were that alone if you were Annie and similar yeah, enough and it was for clear Arnie, from season one that she liked them because like yeah she didn't crush his head <laughs> I think their romance is very well handled and if it wasn't for the fact that the central romance in this show is kind of the whole plot of the show I'd say it's the best romance in the show but let's say Erin and Mika said take that by a mile away even though this is way more tragic but Annie and Armin I really do ship it to be fair like I think they handled that really well the voice actors are incredible the animation was on point I think that was really sweet and I saw some comments on like videos and stuff people going oh imagine taking the time in war to have romance all these people dying I'm like Okay, but if you think you're about to die, you probably would confess your love because you've got no time left. Yeah, Falco did it. No, I'm battered an eyelid. And he's yeah, 12. Absolutely. Yeah. Falco got <laughs> balls. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but but I, I thought that was really sweet, those moments, and I really did appreciate all of that, and especially the bit where Mika sort of calls Annie out on it. And Annie's like, no, no, no. like I'm just this staring at Armin the whole time. <laughs> This is a question that I have for Ares, actually. Like, does all women have this sixth sense of you can just look in the same direction as another woman and realize what's going on? Yeah. Because that's the sixth sense. Like, we don't know, like, when someone likes us, but we know when they like another person, yeah. That's a magic trick that you shouldn't teach anybody. No, no, there's so many things we can't show you. No. 
moving on. I really liked the points that Armin made about I I stopped being a a good person a yes, long time ago. Sorry, uh, yes. I, I really enjoyed those points. That's big. And I will say, and so this is something I'll talk about more so when we get to the latter parts of the episode. But controversial, I don't know if I've said it this to you guys yet or it was Danny and someone else I said this to. And Saffron might even hate me for saying this. It's not against Levi, so don't worry. Okay. In the episode, due to the animation and the voice acting, I actually bought the idea of Armin as commander. When I read the manga, I did not see it. I couldn't hear it because I thought of Armin as I knew him from the anime as to where the anime was up to at the time. However, seeing him and hearing him in the anime as commander, especially with the lines like that about being a good person, I'm not saying he's my favorite commander by any means. Like, he's still like fourth or third out of the four fourth out of the four don't get me wrong yeah. <laughs> but but he's still my least favorite of the four however whereas in the manga i was like no i don't see it he's not the commander in this i sat there thinking i'd say we'll talk about it more later in the episode when he does more commander things once he is commander i sat there thinking you know what he is the commander of the scouts he's earned it i really the anime changed my mind on him as commander genuinely and i don't know how you guys feel about that but it really did change my mind yeah, to be fair, I know, like, I don't know, for some reason in that episode, I was like, you know what? I like Armin. <laughs> yeah. I don't that's know why, I, but yeah. Yeah, that's what I said. I was still not... I've always liked my, him, but... Yeah, he's like, still not okay, in my top... Yeah, he's not in my top ten still by any means. And he's not my favourite commander of the scout. That will always be Irvin for me. I know yours will probably always be Hanji. But, like... I mean, as a commander, it's Irvin. But, like, as yeah. a person and a human and a spirit, yeah. it is Hanji. Yeah. But, like... I really did. In the manga, I, I never bought Armin, but it's because I saw Armin as the kid, because at the point we were at season three at the anime, so I was like, I just, I see him as a kid. Like, what are you on about? And then, and then I saw him in animation doing all this stuff, and I was like, shit, you really are the 15th commander of the scouts, no one deserved it more than you. Yeah, like, we can see why Levi chose him. What yeah, like, it's, it's the famous panel that obviously we will get next episode, but the bit where Levi always goes, I've never regretted, you know, choosing the boy where, because he saw Irvin's eyes in Armin. And that, yeah. you know, and you know what? I did a similar thing. It was when Armin, as I say, towards the end of the episode, and we are skipping ahead again a bit, I saw Irvin. I really did see Irvin in some of his actions and his words. And I was like, you know what? Fair play. I can I finally understand what Levi saw way back when. Back in the yonder. Hmm. Simpler times. This year, back when life was easier and I wasn't as depressed. <laughs> I I was leaning on the same point. Uh, I very much I I looked at Armin for a long time. Like you're you're just a child, mate. Like even up to the point where, um, he got his ass handed to him by Aaron uh, when he, yes. he they were meeting at the table there. Yep. Even then, I was just like, you're just the same kid as you were all them years ago. But then, as you pointed out in this episode, I, I looked at it and I was like, no, that's, you know, in the situation that we're going to talk about here later, absolutely he's the right choice. Yeah, he he really steps up to the mark in a way that just reading it never clicked in my brain. But it being animated, I saw it. And I think that's my overall feeling for the episode, not to sum it up 
at the beginning of our discussion. But, I mean, the episode made everything that was in the manga 10 times better and 10 times more emotional as well. And I think that will be our running theme throughout this episode. That's what I found mm. anyway. Everything that I read was like ramped up by 10, whether it was sadness, happiness, funny, extreme hype. Everything was dialed up by 10 for the episode. And it made me feel way more than I did when I read it. And I felt quite a lot when I read it. So to see it like that and feel even more was a, quite an experience for me. A good one, a positive one, obviously. But Yeah, I, I agree with that. Special. Because I thought, like, about... reading it, it was going to be less emotional when I watched it. That's why I was like, oh, pretend I didn't read it. But yeah, it, it, it doesn't matter whether you knew it was coming or not, because you actually get to see it and hear it, you feel it ten times more. You feel everything, just that that little bit more. And I think that was that was what worked with Armin, and that's what worked with the scenes we've already mentioned and the scenes we are going to mention. So I think now I'm sort of moving on from the lovely little Annie... Bit. Oh, obviously, then there's also the horrible bit where Annie's like, did you lose your scarf? And Mika's is like, I have it. And I'm like, <laughs> oh. I'm like oh, you, you also have it in heart. I promise he hasn't abandoned you. Mm. But, I just want to give her a hug. Well, yeah, so does Erin. I think Erin wants to give her a hug as well, but, you know, she rejects him. So, but moving on before I get all the Mika's fans to hate me. Um, sorry, I've got to protect my boy. Um, yeah, we then get to see the fueling of the plane, and that's all really whatever. The bit with Falco, where he realizes what's happened since he's sort of been unconscious, is um, my heart. Um, yeah, poor thing. Yeah, it, it, just having him catch up is a bit, yeah. Um, that but we'll get more pure little boy. Yeah, he still needs to be protected. He's still my fifth favorite character for that fact alone. But we'll get more to him in a bit. He has a cool moment a bit later in the episode. Um, and then, then we get to, I think, the next major point is is my favorite part of the episode. Um, it's the bit where a certain red-headed character gets a grapple through the neck. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. The single most satisfying thing. I have seen in years this. Yes, yes. I mean, there's only one death in this show that will be more satisfying than that one. And that one is to come. That one will come next episode. But so far, that is the most satisfying death we have had in this entire show. Although I did have a glimmer of sympathy and ever so slight one. Are you feeling all right? Yeah, but it was mainly because Gene was feeling bad, so it was like, yeah, yeah. I I didn't have that by a doctor. Yeah, Yeah. any sympathy, (laughs) sadness I felt, it was more because, you know, Jean has still lost another comrade, even if they were against each other. Yeah, like, Hanji was like, fuck you. She's such a mother. (laughs) She's the mother hen. I love her. My sympathies went to the janitor that would have to clear, like, clear that piece of shit off the floor, but... He, if it helps, I I think the Colossal Titans did a great job of clearing that up. They did a that janitor did a great <laughs> job of that. Now speaking of Colossal Titans, oh wait 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 can, can I just uh, all right just say a few more seconds. Uh, this was a thing where I had obviously I'd spoiled the thing for myself like a year ago, and then like I yeah. said I just dropped all of it, so I didn't remember how he went. 
and seeing this and realizing just how slow and agonizing his pain or, or his death even was yeah it was all the more satisfying imagine getting a grapple in the neck like you're slowly losing breath you're bleeding out that's gotta be awful yeah but Mika I, kills you so you gotta be kind of happy that it was her I, and not the kid I don't oh, even so know bad. Oh, yeah, no. in me that yeah. when, when, when I saw Gabby shoot him for the first time I was like oh don't tell me she got that fucking kill and then when he came back I was like yes someone cool can kill him and obviously Mika she just, just fucking grapples him through the throat and I'm like oh, my girl has you done it you <laughs> Yeah, like that's one of the coolest kills. As I say, there's only one kill that will ever top that, and um, we've still got that to look forward to, which will be nice. Um, I hope we have that to look forward to. I don't remember. If if, if they change that, I um. They won't. <laughs> no, no, they know there will be a literal outrage if that does not happen because he has fucking earned it. it yeah. Mappa will experience a rumbling. Yeah. And someone's Speaking out of for blood. Speaking of the rumbling, so one more thing before we get to the really sad part. Did anyone else love the bit where the Titans are walking over the mountain and one of them trips over? Like, yeah, <laughs> it was so funny. Like, they, <laughs> like, they didn't need that scene, but I needed that scene. <laughs> you just and you just see them go slide down. Because my favorite bit is they, they're actually using the lyrics from the rumbling opening over that bit. You know, the bit it goes. Um, if I lose it all, slip and fall, will you laugh at me? Which is actually a line from the song. <laughs> and because we've been playing that bit of the opening over the over the scene, and it is quite funny watching those bits, actually. I mean, like, yeah, uh, animators are tired. They really just needed something of joy. And they're like, let's make a colossal time slip over. Yeah. Um, it's a really badass moment. <laughs> yeah. So, now, oh, now we get to... Now we get to this part. Um, so, the Colossal Titan, the rumbling is approaching. They need more time for the plane. Armin obviously offers to sacrifice himself. Reiner's like, no, the Colossal is the best chance we have of taking down Eren. Valid point. Reiner's like, I'll do it. Reiner, being Reiner, wants to die. He's well up for it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm like, yeah, he's like, he's like, I'll go. It's fine. And then, and then, then it happens where Hanji goes, well, no, we can't risk losing any more Titans. The female's just chosen not to fight, which, what about you? I think Annie's decision decision is a perfectly valid one. Um, sorry, the tears nah, started. So I apologize. Shut up. You know what happens. <laughs> no. So... I think her decision is valid, all things considered, you know, but, and you see later she's having doubts anyway, because she wants to be with Armin, and part of her still wants to fight for the future of her friends. But, Angie's like, we can't afford to lose any more Titans, we need all the help we can get. I led you this far, I'm the reason so many comrades have died, because I've led you through all this, it should be me. And she names Armin 15th commander of the Scout Regiment, as I say brilliantly done and then what happens is maybe one of the most beautiful transitions in all of anime where suddenly a weight lifts from Hanji's shoulders and she becomes the real Hanji Zoe again no longer commander of the scouts she's that mad scientist you met in season one 
where she's laughing and having fun because she goes from being really serious to I'll see you now and then the, one of the best lines in the entire episode the classic oh just remember Levi's your underling now make sure to put him to work but immediately goes back to teasing <laughs> Levi <laughs> I, immediately the guy's a the cripple at this point and she immediately goes back to make him do some really hard work <laughs> I'm deadly serious I think I was about to get complaints from my neighbours I was laughing so hard yeah, like that was hilarious. The fact that she just turned on a switch to <laughs> make him work hard. And then such a lazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like, he's so lazy. He doesn't do it. Two fingers make him use, like, you know, he can still work. So long and as then... he can still drink tea with those two fingers, he can do shit. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not going to say a thing. Don't you tell me what you want him to do with those fingers. Anyway, <laughs> I love the fact we are all making these jokes just to cope with how sad we are talking about what's about to happen. You yes. got that right, yeah. So, so, right, I can get through this, it's fine. So then she has the walk along the pier to the lovely gentleman that endearingly refers to her as Four Eyes. Um, even though, like, one's got an eye patch, but, you know, whatever. So, <laughs> and then I think you get one of the most heartbreaking conversations in the entire show not just because of Levi's reactions, but because of how happy Hanji sounds in the face of, do you think they're watching us? It's finally my time. It, I find, I'm so excited at the thought of making a cool exit. The, and, and all these things where, you know, because you know, you know what, I, you know, you know what I have to do, don't you Levi, all this stuff. And then obviously Levi comes back with the line that I think broke us all. Shinzo Sasaki. Yeah. Because, as we know, he has never said that throughout the entire series. And any other time he sal- and he hasn't saluted yet. We're still no. waiting on the salute. But at this point, he has said Shinzo Sasaki. And then, obviously, Hanji fucking loses her mind at that. She's like, you know, I've never heard you say that. She's happy again. And that's, I think, his most heartbreaking about the scene is how happy she is and I don't mean that horribly I'm glad that Hanji was happy at the end like she went out on her own terms she made as she called it a super cool exit it is sad seeing that for her to be happy she had to be in a position to die again because the weight of commander was clearly that horrible for her because I yeah, think yeah was their way to like make us happy about it as well yeah, like, it was, no, she oh, liked it. She was fine. <laughs> they showed her as so depressed for so long. I think they had to sort of go, look, she died happy. She died in her own terms. It's okay. And I, I do appreciate that because I think that was the thing with Hanji. And I don't mean this is disrespect to her. She was never meant for the role of commander. No. She was. She was would have been an incredible commander for the scouts, season one, two or three because that was a point where the scouts were all about researching titans and trying to understand the world. As soon as they understood that world and the scouts became a war unit, essentially, for defending Paradise Island, she was no longer the best woman or man for the job on the premise that whilst she is a fantastic fighter, she is not a soldier. I think for having, like, making peace with other people, because she did have that just... I'm not saying she wouldn't be good at making peace. However, no, I'm not denying that at all, but I'm saying for the fact that the scouts were thrown into a war, 
not that she wasn't cut out for it, like she did an amazing job, but it's not what she's suited to. I think she got thrown into a situation that is completely out of her element because she just wanted to research Titans and understand, and now she's having to plan raid missions and this, that, and the other. And I think it was all too much. But whereas Irving would have flourished in that sort of environment, the Hanji, that wasn't a bit of her. So when she finally could get rid of that responsibility and just go back to loving Titans, she became herself again. Like you could just see that weight lift. And then obviously the line, Titans really are marvelous. It's just that proof that she's happy, she's smiling, she's giddy. And the thought of getting this close to Colossal Titans. And then what follows is one of the coolest action sequences in all of Attack on Titan. Like she is flying around like a bird that is absolutely free, which I think is part of the symbolism, if you ask me. Like she is meant to be a bird just flying around finally free of the weight on her shoulders. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I know they're not Titan Shifter, Colossal Titans, so their powers aren't quite as strong as, say, Armin or Berthold. But they are still Colossal Titans, and she took out in the double digits of them. We've only two Thunder Spears and some swords. Like, that's impressive. Absolutely. Like she, went, like, she went out as a fucking badass. And, like, as much as I'm crying right now, and I know I am, and I was at the time, and I will every time I think about it, it does make me smile. One, thinking how happy she was, and two, that she went out proving what a fucking queen she is. Because she just did not stop. She was like, they need more time. I'm just going to cut another three down. They need more time. I'm going to take out another ten. Like, she just was so good. And I think there's a really horrible pun I could say, but I'm not going to say it for the sake of my mentality. But she, she, just, she, she went out in style, but also in a brutal way. I'm going to say blaze of glory, weren't you? <laughs> Maybe. It was right there. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm broken as well. We all fought like, it. <laughs> but, yeah. no, but, but respectfully, she didn't go out. Clearly, she made it okay. She was laying there in one piece. Yeah. No, that, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Denial, 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 denial. Yes. Oh, denial. Um, what are you denying? She's alive. She's okay. She, yeah. Um, but what are your, your, your guys' takes on the scene? Obviously, I've done my quick little... Well, I say quick, I've gone on for a while, but I've done my overview of the scene. What, what are your guys' takes on what I've said or, you know, just the, the scene in general? I thought it was a, a wonderful scene uh, for someone to go out. Uh, that yeah. she... Uh, in a way, she, sh- like, shed skin of the commander. Like you said, it probably wasn't the best fit in the situation she was in. Uh, and then from, yeah, the second she drops it, all the way up to she's sipping over the roof, seeing all of these colossal titans on that line, and just giddy that she gets to die, essentially, amongst those. I, she's a wonderful, wonderful character, and one that none will remember that's our... None will forget. Sorry, that was the wrong phrase. Sorry. Oh, gee, I was going to say, Selvin's about to kill you for saying that. Nah, no, yeah. no. <laughs> ample opportunities to this point and has just not done it. No, no one will soon forget Hanji nope. Zoe as a, as a character right. of fiction. Yeah. Like, she went out in a way that is so memorable and so just epic. 
Yes, it's just the denial in me that spoke for a second. No, of course. Speaking of denial, Saffron, what's your take on the scene? Well, <laughs> what scene? And nothing happened. They're fine. <laughs> they're on the plane. They're flying. Bless no, you. No, it was really room. interesting to like how much energy that scene had. Yes. And you know, even the build-up when you have Levi's choice playing whilst it's happening, which mm. you know that helps mix it less emotional, for sure. <laughs> and yeah, we did. We both picked up. Well, we all of us picked up how light she was and how you know she was kind of free and released from it but then seeing from like Levi's perspective as well it's like as soon as he put his hand on her chest he like lost something too so she gained this batch of energy and he was just drained he couldn't even look back and I think yeah he lost like almost figuratively gave her his heart yeah, that's exactly what he did. I think that scene was more symbolic in the terms of he was dedicating, he was giving his energy to her, he was giving her his heart, not in a romantic way, but in a, I'm, you know. Yeah, like you're the last person all... I care about, like that kind of thing. Yeah, so like the only thing he's got him, now is Zeke. Yeah, because she'd, she'd obviously just <laughs> said to him, you know, keep this going for me, finish what I started essentially. And he went, I'll keep that promise. And I like I'll take your promise and I'll give you my heart. Like and and it all links back to what I said to you guys yesterday, where if you go to the No Regrets manga and you look at Hanji's first words to Levi, they were the words, I was watching you. And Levi's last remark about Hanji in the plane was keep watching us. And that destroyed me. That's that's Having not read the No Regrets manga, and that's literally the first time I heard of that. Damn. Oh, sorry. I don't. Yeah. Sorry. Spoiler. Yeah, it's, it's different in the OVA. The line's different in the OVA because she watches him training in the OVA. That she doesn't do that in. Oh, she does, but she doesn't say anything. Whereas in the manga, she makes a point of going over to him, and the first panel where she talks to Levi is I was watching you and she's really excited about it and yeah when Levi's in the plane obviously flying away in this his last thing and it is in the manga as well he goes keep watching us also references her by name I don't know that he did that much either mm. it yeah he yeah. four eyes didn't it yeah he caught her four eyes a lot <laughs> um, but that's the thing they had that sort of relationship and I find it incredible that the first time Levi said Shinzo Sagio wasn't even to Irvin, who arguably is the person he respected more so. It was to Hanji. Like, and that's what I think really gets me. He's like, I'd argue he respected Irvin more as a sort of brother. Maybe not. I mean, maybe he respected them the same amount. I don't, I, nor I think about it. Obviously, he loved Hanji as well. But it, I just find it fascinating that he didn't even say that to Irvin. But he said it for Hanji. Yeah, and I think because she look- was his, like, his po- the, you know, positive thing in his life. You know, she was that ray of sunshine around him. That was She was so full of heart, whereas Irvin, like, his heart kind of went as time gone on. Where she still had a lot of heart to give and she needed to give all of that then. 
Aside from Levi, Hanje was the last remnant of what he knew the scouts to be, wasn't he? Yes, Hanji was... Hanji was the last, I think, member of his old group, his old friends. And I think that's that's probably why he definitely said that, because at that point he was like, I I don't have anyone else. Yeah, like I say, he's friends with John, you know, he gets on with the others. There's no way he doesn't. They've all fought together. But they like but... look up to him and like as a superior, don't they? Yeah, he's very much because even like Armin, who's now commander, definitely still looks up to Levi. You know, he's sort of that father figure they've sort of always had, whereas Hanji was the last of the people that looked at Levi. Like an equal, really. Yeah. Like Irvin and Hanji were probably two of the only people that looked at Levi as a regular person. Yeah, like you repeat them. Up. And I shift them. I'm sorry, but I do. <laughs> I know you do. And that's that's fine. Uh, you know, you can ship whoever you want. Like, uh, none of us are here to judge. We all wind you up, but like, it is what it is. But I, th- I just think that her exit was the best way to do it. But it was just absolutely, unbelievably heartbreaking. Like, Severus Snape levels of, why are you doing this to me? Like... <laughs> All, literally, as, if Levi said the word always at the end of it, I'd have been like, no, I'm done. Like, <laughs> Anything I'm he said at the end of it would have yeah, happened. would have been sad. <sighs> so yeah, that's, that was the, you know, big emotional gut punch of the episode. Yep. Now on to more hype things, because it's mainly hype from here on out. Mainly. Because you get to the plane, <laughs> everyone's super depressed, and then you get a really, really fantastic moment between Connie and Reiner. And then, yes. by extension, Jean, where Connie sort of realises that, you know, he's done exactly the same as what Reiner did now, and sort of empathises him, going, this is how you felt, isn't it? And then Jean even pipes up and goes, I had no right to judge you. I've done the same as you. And obviously Reiner sort of goes over to Connie and goes, look, I can't promise you ever forgive yourself, but the only thing we can do now is save the rest of humanity to try and make up for our sins. And I thought that was a really powerful moment of sort of acceptance for Reiner and and of Connie and Jean of who they are and what they've done. Not forgiving themselves, but just accepting it, and which is the first step to moving on. It very much is, and it was a it was very powerful, absolutely. I, I just really loved that moment and thought it was so incredibly done. And then you get one of my favorite me- moments in the whole episode, where I literally remember screaming out, "Reiner, you fucking genius!" Where Reiner worked it all out. Reiner hit the nail on the head where he had this moment where he realizes him and Erin are very similar, and he clocks in his head, he's like. Because Ryan's like, oh, I just wanted people to kill me. And he's like, shit, I know what Erin's trying to do. Erin wants us to stop him. Because he realizes Erin's plan is like threefold. You know, one, it stops the threat to Paradise Island. Two, it makes the Odians the heroes for stopping him. But three, Erin will never be able to live with the guilt of what he's done. So, the only way to stop him is to kill him so he doesn't have to live with that. 
I think Rhino in that moment realizes the intricate genius of Erin's plan. In that Erin never planned to survive it because Erin being, it's a really controversial thing to say, Bray on what he's just done, but Erin being the good person he is at his, in his heart, at his core, would never be able to live with himself after committing these atrocities. I don't know if you agree with me or not, but the Erin that I know after doing this would never have been able to live with himself. No, I mean, he was like devastated by the thought that he was going to do it. Yeah, like he. Yeah, so he never would have been able to live with himself. So Rhino sort of realizes he wants us to stop him one, so we look like the heroes, but two, so he doesn't like. Because yeah, it's all in good arm in saying we can come to a treaty. You can stop now, but then Eren would have to live with that for the rest of his life, and Eren doesn't want to. He wants his pain to be over. And he'd rather spend those last moments with the people he cares about, even if that means they're the ones that have to kill him. And Reiner sort of works that out. And obviously at first, they're all a bit like, oh, I don't know. And then it's immediately confirmed by the fact that Eren immediately pulls them into the past. Like, hold up. <laughs> I can't have you pursuing this train of thought too much. <laughs> Let's try and just get back to the fighting. And then you get one of my other favorite scenes. <laughs> like this whole sequence was incredible for me on the plane. I don't know about you. I just loved it where Hanji sort of started this earlier and that's why I didn't mention this at the time because I wanted to bring it up more so here where Hanji admits that she failed Erin because he just wanted answers and she couldn't provide them she sort of admits that she's partly to blame because he was crying out for help and she couldn't help him not that that's her fault but she sort of admits her part in it if that makes any sense she's not a damn mind reader Erin no, but he wasn't asking her. To, you know, that's what that scene was in the prison. I know you hate him for it, but he yeah. genuinely was begging her for another option. And she admits she couldn't help him. And then every single one of them in the past, with the exception of Levi, but we'll get to his response <laughs> to the whole situation in a second. <laughs> everyone basically admits that they failed him. So like, Armin's like, you were calling out for help and we weren't there. Jean's like, look, I'm sorry, I just want you to come back to us. Like, please come and talk to us. We failed you. Connie literally realizes the whole Sasha situation. He was, he hated him for it and he never took time to realize how in pain Erin was. And even Mikasa sort of goes, I want to shoulder your sins with you, realizing that for so long they all neglected him. And they're trying to apologize because they realized that they almost pushed him to do this because every time he cried out for help, they just told him they hated him because they couldn't understand what he was going through. And albeit, unfortunately, and this is the tragedy of the scene, they've all realized it way too late. If they'd realized this earlier, the rumbling might have never happened. But they realized far too late that Erin was crying out for help and it's now too late to help him. And then Levi, <laughs> as much as it's a funny moment, I think that is genuinely Levi's way of sort of apologizing to Erin as well. That is his way of trying to bring up a memory because even though, okay, the first time he did it was brutal, yeah. even on the plane, <laughs> when when on the airship after the raid on Liberio, when Levi sort of jokes about it and then does it as well, 
you can tell there's a mutual respect between them when they does it. Like he said, it's sort of like an in-joke at this point. That Levi yeah, like it's just a way of showing affection. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that Levi goes, come back now and I'll only give you like one swift kick in the arse or something. It's like, <laughs> even Levi's trying to be like, come back to me. Well, it's, and, it's, yeah. it's a better solution than the first encounter they had where he did Dance Dance Revolution on Aaron's face. I mean, that was more than one swift kick, but yeah. And like that, yeah, Aaron didn't even deserve just one it. More. <laughs> I love how you go, that Aaron didn't even deserve it. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, the Aaron genocide had... one, he gets one swift one, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, young, innocent Aaron gets the oh, no. shit being out of him. <laughs> Why are you even complaining yourself on that? Is it. That is the scene where you fell in love. <laughs> I mean, yeah, to be fair, that's like, I just like, okay, he's an animated person, that's okay. But then that's when he became attractive. <laughs> <laughs> You've got problems. You've got serious I know, problems. I know. Uh, Therapy's anyway. expensive. There's a sadist living in that little ferret troll body of yours. And then, <laughs> even the, there's a sadist. Oh, maybe. Yes. I was going to say, we're not discussing that definition now, if you don't know what it means. We're moving back to Attack on Titan. Yeah, please. <laughs> um, and then, fucking hell. And then there's a bit where even Levi then goes, like, come on, it's your turn to talk. Like, because he's the one who then brings Erin out as well. And then it's the heartbreaking bit where they all run after him and they sort of realize it's pointless as they do a full circle. I just, I felt that was so sort of symbolic of them trying to chase him now and they can't he's too far gone it was quite never... haunting as well like just yeah, seeing like you like don't see Aaron's never face reach. yeah he looks like a mirror he looks like the mirror yeah that was anything. awful and then you just them all yelling after him apologising and that broke my heart I don't know about you guys but seeing them all just running and apologising that was awful yeah especially Mikasa like it's just that moment of realizing they all failed him. They weren't there for him. They didn't support their friend. And now he's alone and hurting. And they didn't even, they were too busy hating him to realize that he was hurting more than anyone. Mikasa didn't spend a second hating him, even when like he told her to. No, but Mikasa is the exception. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Armin didn't. Mikasa just. Armin hated him. <laughs> I mean, for talking shit to Mikasa, but yeah, we all hated him at that point. Yeah, but... Fuck uh, me. Uh, <laughs> I never hated Aaron, but... I... But in fairness, Armin hating him after that scene was part of Aaron's plan. He needed them to hate him so they would be willing to kill him. And arguably, it didn't quite work out like that, but he needed to push them away, and... That's the tragic heartbreak of Erin. Like, the amount of sacrifices he has to make is disgusting. Like, he shouldn't have to go through that. But he does, and it's shit for him. And then just a bit where, you know, he's like, there's only one thing left to do. That's okay. And then I think from that line onwards, the episode just goes up and up and up in hype until the credits roll. And then you're like, oh my God, I cannot wait for the next episode. The hype almost becomes that hypey. That's a word now, hypey, by the way. The hype becomes that hypey that you almost forget the tragedy that's coming next. Almost. Because <laughs> you're that excited to see the fight next episode. 
but you kind of almost forget where that fight ends. There's and a separate we'll tragedy there, and that's the wait for this. Yeah, the wait is going to be... But, like I said, there's a, there's a leak, apparently August, the next bit, but there's, there's no confirmation. Mm. Yeah, considering their idea of, like, winter is March, but who is freezing. Yeah, so fall could literally be any one of the 12 months. Um, <laughs> so, this is year. <laughs> yeah, we'll find out. We'll find out at some point. We'll find out when the episode drops. Except Crunchyroll won't tell us, so it's fine. Um, Bastards, but like, I get it. No, I get it. And then preemptively drop it a couple of hours earlier. Yeah, no, I get it though, in fairness, because like you said, he's crashed it every single time a new season's dropped, so I mean, fair. But yeah, I just. The hype just goes up next because I think the next sort of scene, obviously you've got the bit, and this is one I have a favorite. I know I'm saying everything was my favorite bit, but I hope the people at home listening to this and you two already know realize how much I love this episode based on the fact that every scene was my favorite scene. Yeah, except for Hanji's, yeah. except for Hanji's death scene, which wasn't my favorite, not because it wasn't good, but because it broke my heart. But. <laughs> So then it's the bit where, you know, you, you sort of, you find out that the warriors' families and the people in Liberia survived and that, I mean, that, yeah, I'm indifferent, oh, man, like, yeah. don't, don't, <laughs> care, don't, don't, don't really care too much, like, it is what it is, Erin destroyed their home already, like, oh, what are you going to do? So, the rumbling's murdering people, it's cool, and then, obviously you get the airships doing the bombing run. Um, which is great. Um, it's cool. But the best part of the scene was the sort of the Malian military leader who sort of admits that it was the prejudice and hate that created Eren. Like, he admits it was their fault and then does that bit that I vow if we make it through this hell, we will never live in a world of such prejudice and hate again. And that scene is so powerful. Because it shows that Erin's plan worked. Like, for those people that ever doubt the legitimacy of Erin's plan, <laughs> that scene shows that it worked. Because <laughs> the world woke up and realised, oh, shit, our prejudice calls <laughs> when you're prejudiced. And that guy was literally, you know, we turned hate into a weapon and we poured all of the excess hate onto an island. We scapegoated an entire race and then she used an island as a scapegoat for the scapegoats. And this is what happens. So if we survive this, we can never do that again. I love the powerful imagery you use of the adults have failed the children. I'm sorry, children. Us adults have failed you by doing this. And I thought that was so powerful and moving. If it also shows that Erin's plan worked he did change people's mindsets and as we know from the end of the manga people always go back to hate you know that's how humanity is but in the in like the current in the present and in the immediate future everything works in achieving a peace that the real world will never see <laughs> like a unity that the real world will never see yeah like the people who mattered had it good for that that's the most like heartbreaking part of of what that uh, the fellow on the microphone said was this yeah. 
probably some of the most powerful words that have yeah. ever uttered in a situation like that. The problem is that it's in fiction. We can use it in this world too. Yeah. Oh, that's, that, that is the real tragedy at the moment that, you know, and it's because we can't create a rumbling. If if I could, I would, and I'd create world peace right now. But you know, Egypt would just be shreds because everything's coming out of the pyramids and things. Oh, one hundred percent. The Great Wall of China is literally <laughs> just titans. I'm convinced <laughs> I, at this I point. Look, look at David Copperfield, and you'll find just colossal titans all over that one. That'd but, be bad. That would be so sick. But yeah, I, I just that scene was so moving and powerful. Like we say. It's achieved a peace that, and say, a temporary peace. It will never last longer than a hundred years, and I'm pretty sure that is how long it lasts in the manga. But it created a, for a short period of time, which is impressive regardless, a sense of we are all one people. Why are we being prejudiced? Yeah, Eren had to go to extreme lengths to do it. Yeah, he killed a hell of a lot of people. And as this is going on, he is still killing even more people because let's face it he didn't bring all his colossals with him he sent them all over the globe they're not all just marching in a line and yeah it's awful what he's done but it works you can't argue with the results it's the method you can have a go at but the results speak for themselves yeah but that don't care I'm sorry I can't yeah he's dead you can't do anything about it just look at the positives I would defend oh. Eren till kingdom come. It's <laughs> like, great. He said he was sorry. <laughs> he didn't. Yeah, he, he does what he does. But that's not the point. It doesn't matter if he's sorry or not, because what he did worked. Did. So it's fine. I don't care about the method. I care about the results. <laughs> yes. Again, we achieve world peace, but just everyone's dead. He still paces it not. It is indeed. I cannot argue that. It's peace in our time. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but anyway, and then we get one of the coolest entrances ever. But like, honestly, I never thought seeing a plane fly through a thunderstorm as a trope. Because, you know, it is such an overused trope. But my God, Attack on Titan made it look so much cooler than the normal tropes. Like yeah. a plane running out of fuel flying through a thunderstorm. We've all seen it before. It was because we so know that cooler. there are badass people on board. Well, no, wait, hang on, hang on. It was a flying boat. It's a plane. It I, was a flying I, boat, though. I appreciate the ignorance of the people that live in the Attack on Titan world, but it's a plane. It's cute, though. <laughs> They're just practical inaccuracy. It's a flying boat. Fine, the flying boat, right? Yes. On your, on your Capone as well, by the way, underrated hero. Yeah. Like, he was willing to die in that plane to give them a chance. Like, I respect that man. He's an honorary scout, in my opinion, at this point. Like, he, he might he not is, be able to he fight. Is. He might not be able to fight like they can, but he has risked his life like they can. Like, he didn't have to fly that close to the rumbling, but he did. He's more a hero than Flock ever would be. 100%. Bitch, Flock. Yep, 100%. Like, yep. I couldn't agree more. Um, and then this is a bit where. Armin becomes the commander for me because he just takes the reins and then they jump. I've, I know I've skipped a bit where, you know, Levi senses a prick down the bottom, <laughs> but I've already talked about <laughs> that. <laughs> Sorry, there. Yeah, he sensed that disturbance. He's like, Monkey Boy's there. Speaking of Monkey Boy, have kind of skipped it, 
a lot of people, I'm not saying you two are these people, but I feel this is a chance to address a misconception. If someone listening was confused, was wondering obviously why the Beast Titan was not coloured in. I've genuinely seen some people think it was an animation error to not colour in the Beast Titan. Now, oh, my goodness. oh boy, I'm a I for anyone who is confused, because some people might just be a bit ignorant to it. Some people are, might just be dumb. It's because the beast has been manifested through the Warhammer's powers. <laughs> you can tell that by the fact that the beast is attached to the skeleton through Warhammery like tendrils, and the fact that he's not actually breaking up boulders to throw; he's randomly generating them in his hands. That's not a beast titan power. That is a Warhammer. Erin is using the founding titan to create a titan, but making them out of Warhammer stuff so they can generate whatever he needs. He is basically using the most two OP powers in the world, making titans and making weapons, and making them into one awesome power of making titan weapons. <laughs> I'm glad to see the Warhammer powers be used good that is the most op use of the warhammer powers ever though like making other because your normal warhammer can't do it but when you've got the power of the founder and the warhammer you can literally make sentient titans who can like zeke can just generate he's at least not zeke obviously because zeke's against erin so that's not zeke zeke he's not in control anyway but like the beast can just throw nothing because you can generate the stuff and once again even though it's not it's kind of like faux Zeke it's Zeke light Levi still has that same sense of the pricks down there and like I say this is where Armin becomes the commander for me because he really just steps into gear and they have the most badass entrance in the world as they all just jump from that fucking plane in the most awesome like the Avengers music could be playing and it would fit however it's not as cool no. because the Avengers music do not do it justice. Like, they just fucking go in and they get shit done. Like, as I say, Levi just fucking... The rest of them are all dodging out the way. Levi dodges fuck all. He just beelines. He's like, I'm going straight. I do not give a fuck. And he's still heavily uh, injured at this point. But yeah, like... You wouldn't he tell. Yeah. And then, I must say, as much as obviously Levi doesn't get to Zeke first... The way Reiner does it is fucking sick, though. Like, let's be honest. Nah. <laughs> Jesus, what a like, he just human. just fucking tackles him out of the way. <laughs> it's just like it's my it's my spot. Get out. And then obviously you've got um, Peak comes out as well, and she's wrapped in the explosive. I don't get how that works. Like, because she clearly transformed as she jumped out of the plane. But at what time did she have time to wrap explosives around her? Because you wouldn't transform with explosives on you because lightning. But it's fine. She's the cart tire. I'm sure she's got a way to work it out. She's had years of experience. She probably like strapped him on while she jumped. I don't know. Or they, the the folks assumed that we would be paying attention to literally everything else and wouldn't notice. Probably. But I can forgive that. Like, <laughs> it's fictional. I can, you know. It's magic. Yeah, like, there's a lot going on here that, by the laws of physics, don't, like, ODM gear does not work in reality. But I don't question it, because it's fucking sick. So, it's cool. Peak is wrapped in explosives, and I'm down for it, right? And then, obviously, you get a bit where the Malian leader, captain guy, obviously sees the armor tight, and they, and this is obviously where the people in the fault start to get hope again, because they see the armor, they see the car, and I love the bit where he goes, and is that 
ODM gear. The people of Paradise notice he calls them people, not devils. The first time they refer to them as people, but he's like the people of Paradise are fighting to save us. And I love that one because I noticed shit, he didn't call them devils. He he referred to them as people. He really does mean what he said about no more prejudice. But also, I love that moment of they're here to save us. Like after everything we've done for them, they're here to save us, which once again was part of Arian's plan, making the Eldians look like the heroes. <laughs> once again, Ticking the box, Erin's plan has worked. There is only one more objective out of the three that needs to be achieved, and that is the one that will leave me eternally depressed. <laughs> that yeah, is the no, no. That is no me. longer. <laughs> I don't know that we can assume saying that we be watching this as it debuts. Uh, I will be. Um, you'll just never hear from me again afterwards. <laughs> How would I know that you want debut then? Um, because there'll be radio silence for me from the rest of time. <laughs> the minute I just stop replying to the chat, you know I've watched it. <laughs> ah, well, that, that was a good run. It makes sense, um, though. Like... And yeah, so one more thing for Aaron to check off, because the two parts of his plan have already worked very well. Um, and yeah, we'll get to that next episode. But then Armin, once again, impressed me a lot this episode. Has one of the coolest lines ever. Where he just lands on the founding titan and goes like, Erin, I have just one more question for you when we get you out of there. How are you free? And I was like, oh my God, like, that's so cool. That was a line. Uh, just the line is what that is. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, that's so cool. That is so fucking cool. So cool. And that line is why there are two particular scenes I haven't mentioned just yet. Because I want to compare Erin's Freedom to another scene that I hinted about talking about earlier. So let's talk about one of the most depressing scenes in the entire episode. Erin's Freedom panel. I wasn't going to ignore it. You knew I, you two both knew I wasn't going to ignore this panel. I was waiting, but I thought it's a brilliant time to bring it up after talking about Armin's fucking badass line of "How are you free?" I'm like, oh, amazing. So, Erin's freedom panel. We all love it. We all get depressed over it. Um, I thought they animated it very well um, because I think in animation it really showed how he felt he was flying above the clouds. But then it cuts to the fact that all it is is the head of his founding titan being above the steam from the colossals. Like the real stark comparison between what he sees is him flying amongst the clouds. That's how he's deluded himself into tolerating what he's doing is by changing what he actually sees into what he wants to see, which is child him finally free amongst clouds when the reality of the situation is he's just looking down on the steam coming up from the colossals that are killing everyone below. Which, that's not freedom, and he knows it because he's deluding himself into seeing what he wants and not what he's actually doing. It's torture. I, See, you have that, you know, that's the, the young man full of just all the ideals and all the wishes for freedom, and... That is just not where he is at now. 
No, and I think that's the real tragedy of it. He knows he's not really free, but the only way he can stomach what he's doing is by deluding himself into thinking that he is. Well, it's a powerful tactic, delusion of oneself. Oh, of course it yeah, is. Yeah, I, I understand why he's doing it. I've done it throughout the whole episode. <laughs> true, very true. Life denial. We've all done that one. And I just... Same thing. And I, and I just love that it's the tragedy of what he sees as clouds is really fucked up because it's actually the steam emitting from the Colossals. Uh, that is such a horrific parallel. How well they animated that head of his tie-in was amazing. Oh, that's disgustingly good. So much so that actually backtracking to another scene that I was going to mention a bit later, but I'm just going to do it now. The bit where Armin starts talking about Eren and, you know, talking about the world they wanted to see together and where where are you now? And he looks at the bird and then he freezes, sees child Eren, and then you see Eren in the head of the founding. I'm like, wow, you're really foreshadowing that bird Eren thing and yeah that hurt my soul i could just feel the knife stabbing away at it during that bit yeah no, um, having watched every single episode in ova and all of this to this point mm. i do not believe i've seen a more tortured soul than aaron was right there yeah going from seeing him as like the bird where i'm just talking about him to see him as a child in the past quickly to just seeing how depressed he looks in the founder i think really hammers home that he knows he's not free, but he's having to delude himself just to tolerate what he's become. And it's, yeah, it's heartbreaking. And that is where I was going to say the, the other thing I wanted to talk about, the real contrast to Erin deluding himself into thinking he can be free and flying amongst the clouds. And a certain other character finding out that he does actually have the freedom to fly amongst the clouds. And I think they handled that scene of Falco's realization that he has part beast titan in him, which explains the bird-like qualities and realizing that he's able to fly as a titan was done so fucking well. You know what else was also done very well? You're seg- your just segue them. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sometimes good at this. <laughs> that, yes, it does occur. <laughs> because... I remember I always theorized that the reason Falco had bird properties was because of Zeke. And I don't ever remember reading it in the manga, so I'm wondering if that is a fan theory that they've made canon in the anime. Now, I might have to reread the manga because I could be wrong and it might have been said and I just sort of skipped it or neglected it for whatever reason because I always saw that was just a theory that I came up with not maybe not that I came up with but that I saw online and I sort of subscribed to and thought oh that's really good actually then uh, you and there might be a point that I've picked up on uh, okay possibly I don't remember exactly which one but I believe there is an intro uh, to the show what season deludes me but there's one where you see the beast titan along with a shitload of other animals that's the saga. <laughs> yes. So, see, I haven't watched that one in a while. But <laughs> uh, it, could that be a <laughs> season two? Oh, your favorite. Uh, could that be a decent tie-in that indeed those properties are just inherent with the beasts, but depending on whoever? I think that that whole scene was one 
There's two interpretations of that scene. One, it's because the whole point of those final scenes is Savio are showing like prey and predator because a lot of the scenes show like one animal eating another. So, but all of them show their hearts. So the one is to show that all living things have a beating heart, which is why you see the red heart in their chest as they run along. But the other theory also suggests that there is a chance that they are previous Beast Titans. Um, obviously, the Beast Titan can take many different forms. Uh, any animal, really. So I'm not completely off the ball. No, this never been confirmed, but there's a theory saying that they were. But the most common thing is obviously it's just a show of prey, predator, and that all living things have a heart. Um, showing obviously the dichotomy at the time of titans and humans and everything um but yeah i don't ever remember in the manga and saffron might remember and i don't uh, uh, falco theorizing that his bird abilities came from zeke i don't ever remember uh, say i might have misread it and just forgot but yeah, it might be one I, of those pages in the manga that you just like, okay. Yeah, because I always thought it that. was just a fan... I always thought it was just a fan theory, which if it was just a fan theory and they've made it a legit thing, that is really cool. Um, that they've done that. But I don't know, but I, I just loved that whole scene. I thought it was handled really well. And it, I thought it was a fantastic callback to finally understanding why Falco had that dream in the first episode of season four of him flying through the sky. Or could he, that also he, possibly be Aaron sending him that? Because I know, I don't know if he could have been able to do that yet. Um, like send him that memory. Well, it, to be fair, it sounded more like he was remembering Emir because he did describe it more as ODM. Um, so it's probably yeah, Amir, yeah. who was obviously the jaw titan before that. But it's nice to see he's still having visions of the future, which is interesting because he's not the attack titan. So yeah, Eren probably is sending him these visions because only the attack titan is meant to be able to see into the future. Oh yeah, in the um, beginning he didn't have any kind of titan. Nope. And even now, only the attack titan should be able to see into the future. So the fact that he's getting visions of him flying, even though he hasn't done it yet, is a bit interesting, which is why I remember at the time before the ending had just uh, released, people were theorizing that it was actually going to be Falco that stopped Eren by eating him, because why else would he be able to get visions of the future if he didn't have the attack titan? Because Eren used to oh. get visions of the future when he was a child, didn't he? Before he had any titans. Yeah. So he thought, oh, maybe that's foreshadowing. He's going to be the one to stop Eren by taking the the, the founder. But obviously, that turned out not to be true, but that was a theory at the time. Which, it does make sense when you look at... It wouldn't have been a good ending, but it does make sense when you look at the facts why people would theorise that. Based on the being able to see future mer memories being something unique to the attack titan. Um, but... Yeah, I just thought that was really well done. I thought that the dichotomy between those two of Eren seeing a vision, deluding himself into thinking he can fly and be free, but Falco realizing he actually can. And I think that just really is a powerful thing going with that message of Armin going, how are you free? Um, and Eren's attack titan head on the founder, as Saffron said, looked incredible animated. Um, 
such a fantastic job. The whole thing looked incredible. Um, and that's where we obviously really ended the episode. And my emotions could reset a bit whilst also being torn apart. But honestly, I thought that's my favourite episode of Attack on Titan so far. I'm willing to say that. I thought that was incredible. Could not have done yeah, anything any better. Sure. Yeah, Hero is the other. Obviously, Hero is not my favourite before that. I think my favourite before that was Declaration of War. Um, you both know how much I love that episode. Um, yeah. And I think this beat Declaration of War for me. And that is saying something because I think Declaration of War was an incredible piece of fictional writing. Hero is incredible as well. Don't get me wrong, I love Hero. But Declaration of War had something special for me. And I think this beats it, if I'm honest. Well, it's. Yeah, it beat the thing that set the bar. That's that. Well, it was an hour, an hour of content too. Yeah, that is where I, I, I do sort of count. There is a bias there. I got a lot more content in one episode because I sit there and think, okay, if I then, by equivalent, group my war with the entire sort of arc of the raid on Liberio, is it then better? You've got to weigh that shit up, and then it's like. You can't really compare it because it, it is an hour-long special. But regardless, the episode was absolutely incredible. I ten out of ten. Everything was so good. The, it just made the manga better. The manga literally came to life, and everything was so much more emotional and and hype. And I really do think it was an incredible piece of work. And Mappa, I take my hat off to you and the way you've adapted Isayama's work. Obviously, I tell you how to Isayama as well. He, none of this would exist without him. So, you know, like he, he's a genius and a psychopath, I'm convinced. And Mappa are just absolute saints for the amount of work they put into the anime community and how well they made this episode look, feel and sound. I really, yeah, I'm blown, blown away. Have you guys got anything else you, you want to add? No, I I agree with the analysis. I'm, I was very pleased with the episode. <laughs> uh, to a point, I do not... At, at no point with any series, really, have I gone out of my way to re-watch it at least three times within, yeah. within two hours of it coming out. <laughs> but it's a byproduct also of... I didn't know really how to register it. It was so, so much. You got so much, yeah. Good. And I, 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 it just doesn't happen in this kind of way in anything else. No, it, Attack on Titan is and always will be a special piece of media. And, you know, as much as, you know, my favorite shows have always updated and switched before when new things came out, I am pretty set in my way and I'm convinced 100% it will take some God level TV show to come out to ever dethrone Attack on Titan for me. I think it's got this power that you can't not get engrossed in its world and characters. It's just incredible writing, incredible storytelling, incredible characters. And this episode, I think, showed all of that off to the max. It showed animation, character work, music, 
action, emotion. It's everything was perfect, and every this episode showed off the best of Attack on Titan, in my opinion. And like you say, it's a show that you can watch it over and over and over again. And what, as much as it'll break your heart over and over and over again, you will be entertained every single time you watch it. You will never lose that love for it. So, Saffron, what, what's, what's your final verdict? Any further comments, or are you just too depressed now? It's pain. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still crying. I'm sure that can be heard in the recording, exactly. so I apologise to anyone listening. What yeah, like, I was in such a weird mood for at least a few days after the episode. I still am. I haven't yeah, processed it yet. Saffron just said, compress this entire uh, seance into just three seconds. It's pain. pain. It's pain. Well, if that's that's everyone's that's everyone's final ver- final words before I close this thing up. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So that was a little roundtable discussion on the most recent Attack on Titan episode. I think we tried our best to laugh through it. So apologies for any dark or weird humour. I think that was definitely our coping mechanisms kicking in in overdrive uh, during this. If people really liked this and fuck it even if they really don't when the final episode comes out we will do the same thing for that i'll get these two on again and we will have a group discussion because i really couldn't get through this on my own be completely honest i need the laughter to keep me going because i'm hurt and let's be honest next episode i'm as i'm sure both these lovely people can attest to I will be the most broken man on the planet by the time we record the next one of these so me and Levi will have a wedding, so it'll be fine. Lucky you. <laughs> I can't help but be bitter. This <laughs> <laughs> is the first time in four years that Ewan has ever called me lovely. That is a fascinating statement right there. That's well, how you know how broken I am. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a fatal error.exe right here. Yeah. So as these people were just do, by the time we we're recording the next one of these, I will be the most broken man on earth. So I'm going to need the help even more so. So I might not even be leading the next episode because I might be so much of a blubbering mess. So we will find out. I say <laughs> next episode. There might be more UFL in between. I don't know. I'll figure that out. But I'm talking about the next Attack on Titan. Um, it has been good being back, though. It's been good. Thank you to both my guests for coming on. Uh, it has been a very real pleasure to have you both. Um, it's been a joy and it's been good to discuss Attack on Titan with you, as always. It has been very um, good to be here and discuss something that yet again has not failed. I haven't made a judgment yet. Shush. Well, that's, that's my humble opinion. <laughs> they don't know. I haven't made it obvious. But, yes, thank you so much for listening, everyone. I really appreciate that. I really do hope you liked the episode. And, of course, Attack on Titan has not failed because as the episode episode the title of it's a i'm starting to cry again like the i was just finishing up and i'm going again because like fuck it as the title of this episode suggests attack on titan really is marvelous see you next time guys bye <laughs> bye